What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fitness Oracle. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, and today we actually sit down with Cara Nicole Bitar, who was a corporate litigation lawyer, and now she combines the dedication and commitment that it took to become a successful attorney, real-life training in what it takes to succeed at high levels and extensive research experience and training in how to optimize our lives. She does this to help individuals excel in their professional and creative endeavors, be energized and excited about life and experience their full potential. This conversation that I had with Kara was deep to say the least. Uh, we talked about the ever importance, the ever important balance between uh, healing and living. Her, we talked about her past as a litigation lawyer and why she became what she, what, why she did and why she left. And uh, what she, and right now, what she's doing right now and trying to help people uh, find a solution for their lives. Uh, we talk about her program uh, which she calls the uh, an optim living an optimized life. We go deep into that, and uh, we also talk about one of the yoga practices that she actually immerses herself in, in Kundalini Yoga. Uh, there is a lot of tidbits in this, guys, and like I said, we go really deep in into these topics. So it's really, really, it's a really great uh, episode for you guys to listen to. I hope you guys enjoy it, and. Uh, Enjoy the show as always, and I'll see you guys on the flip side. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours, and this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Kara Nicole Bittar. Kara holds a Juris Doctor from Duke University School of Law and practiced high-stakes corporate litigation at one of the largest firms in the Southeast. She now combines the dedication and commitment that it took to become a successful attorney, real life training in what it takes to succeed at a high at high levels and extensive research experience and training in how to optimize our lives to help individuals excel in their professional and creative endeavors, be energized and excited about life and experience their full potential. She does this through optimization programs she's developed through coaching and teaching kundalani sorry please forgive me with that one i have trouble sometimes yoga kara is a kri certified instructor in kundalini yoga reiki master certified theta healing practitioner and certified soul realignment practitioner kara welcome to the show Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you on here. So how's Rosie doing? <laughs> she, she's, she's good. She's snorting away <laughs> somewhere in this house. <laughs> not, not right next to me at the moment, but yeah, she's, she's good. So Rosie's my little, 
one of my little Shih Tzus. I have two. They're half sisters and they look like twins. And Rosie just, she, it's like we have a little pig in the house. It's the cutest thing in the world, but she just snorts all the time. So she's been on a number of podcasts. You can hear her snorting. <laughs> I heard you talking about Rosie on another podcast. And uh, <laughs> I saw a couple of uh, photos and I'm like, oh my God, that's so cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't have dogs myself, but I am a dog lover. I love dogs. Mm -hmm. So uh, more of a dog guy than I am a cat guy. So yeah. So when I was working, you know, in the corporate world, I just... I kind of was like, if I ever am not here, I want to be in a place where I can be around my dogs because I just, I love them so much. And so now it's like the three of us all the time, me, Lily, and Rosie. <laughs> all right, that's really good. Um, that's really good. Uh, let's dig a little, let's go into the meat and potatoes of this whole podcast. Uh, you were talking on this specific podcast about uh, dealing with fear and a comfortable from a comfortable life to uncertainty. And I, I found that quite interesting because I have my own concept of fear. Mm -hmm. I love doing things that scare me. Mm -hmm. um, I want to get your insight on, um, you know, what do you think that fear is and you know, how did, how did you transition from a comfortable life to uncertainty? Because you actually have a very interesting uh, backstory. And uh, I want to get your, uh, I want to get you to uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So well, starting with the, the fear thing. So I, I mean, I love that you embrace fear. And so what I didn't understand about kind of how our mind works that I understand now is that anytime we step into something new, the mind puts us in a state of discomfort because the mind doesn't have anything to look back on and say, okay, you've done this, you'll survive it. It's okay if you do it moving forward. And so anytime you're stepping into something new, you're going to be, feel, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And so the, the problem with that, though, is that people take that discomfort and it might be far more than discomfort. It could be tremendous fear. Right. And people, they'll take that and think, oh, this is a reason I shouldn't move forward. This is a reason I shouldn't do this thing. And, and really, in many instances, it's the opposite. Like that is the thing that you want to do. And because we're not here. So the mind and the mind has many facets, but like there's a survival mode to it, right? And that's like the survival mode. And we're not here just to survive. We're here to thrive. And so really stepping into things that are uncomfortable, stepping into things that make you afraid. If you're looking for transformation in your life, if you're looking to have a different experience, that's where you want to be. That's the thing you want to be doing. And the other thing to understand is that what the mind does is it looks back and it says, okay, you've done these things, you've survived them. So these are the things you should now do moving forward, even if when you were doing them, you were super unhappy, even if you were in states of like misery and states of worry, the mind is like you survived it. So keep doing it moving forward. And so something for people to understand, too, is when I talk about a comfort zone, 
Like your comfort zone could be being in states of stress and overwhelm and worry. That could actually be your comfort zone. And so stepping into this place of where you're feeling good, where you're feeling excited about life, where you're feeling joyful, that might be very outside of your comfort zone. And so even stepping into those things, your mind is going to make you feel uncomfortable. And so it's really something that I I did not understand that. It was like I took I took discomfort or fear as kind of these reasons like not to do something. When in many instances it really is the opposite. Now there's certain uh, there's certain points in life obviously when fear like you have to listen to the fear and not do right. something right like like mm-hmm. somebody's wielding a uh, uh, someone pulled out a gun in a in a supermarket and start shooting doesn't mean that you have to go and you know disarm the person like mm-hmm. there are certain situations where fear will disable you completely and that's okay do you think that there needs to be that form of understanding of when to step into the fear and when not and to when to listen to the fear so you don't hurt yourself absolutely a hundred percent yes i think there needs to be that understanding um and so it's like one the understanding of when i step into something new it's going to feel uncomfortable i'm going to take actions that feel uncomfortable uncomfortable to me and in many and in some instances I'm going to be very afraid to take those actions but there is a second piece which is what how do I know what those actions are and that's an excellent like that's an excellent like question and observation like we really do want to understand like well what are those actions and that's that is something that's very important and that is something that we do have the capability of knowing, but it does take kind of, a, it takes a dive really into ourselves and understanding ourselves so that we have clarity on, here's the uncomfortable action for me to take. Like, I'm not, I'm certainly not recommending just to, you know, go around and take every uncomfortable and thing and thing that you're afraid of. But those things really do, they can be, really they're in many instances the most powerful things that we'll do. And they're the things that we really need to do if we want to have a different experience. Trying to find that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of balance, you also talk about uh, healing versus living and finding the balance in it. Now, coming from a European background, um, we really understand the, how do I put it? Um, the balance between how I should live and why I should live. Hmm. And the how and the why actually helps, um, you know, helps you live, but also helps you heal, not overwork yourself. How, how, what about you? What do you think of, what were you talking about, about the healing versus living and finding that balance? Yeah. So what I was talking about in that context was um, when I was going on this, self-discovery kind of path myself trying to figure out could I have a different experience and what would that look like trying to heal my body trying to you know understand myself one of the things that happened was I was doing all this research I was doing all these different you know healing modalities doing all these like all the different things and it was like one of the things was all of the practices and things that I were, was 
you know, told to do or that we were, I was given to do or said to do or, or read about that I should do. So I'm like doing all these practices and I'm like, this, if, if I keep going along this path, like doing these things that I'm kind of being told to do, it's like I'm doing healing practices for myself all day, every day. It's like, it's like the, the problem was, it was like the things I was being given were so time consuming. They were so all consuming. I was like, okay, so I'm basically supposed to spend all of my time doing these practices to try to heal myself or to try to make myself healthy or to, you know, it's like, where's the time for living? Do you know what I mean? Like, where is the time that we're just like enjoying this experience where we're reveling in it, where we're expressing our creativity? And so I saw this as a real, like, it's an issue. You know, if, if, if these methods, if they claim to like work, that's wonderful, but I can't spend my whole life and all my time doing these things. And so coming to from the background that I came from, I was in a profession where I worked pretty much I mean, pretty much like a lot, like all the time. I had very little free time. And so when I was researching all of these different like healing modalities and and experimenting with all this stuff, one of the things that was constantly in my mind was, you know, how can this be done for people who are working full time? How can this be done for people who are really busy? And the fact of the matter is the experience that we're living in, it's high stress, it's high pressure, and it's busy. And so it's like, we can't just like most people can't just be like, well, I'm just going to spend all my time doing all of this healing stuff. And so that was really like the, the thing for me. It's like we've got to have something so that we're living. We're not just spending all this time, not just healing, but like trying to like keep up the health too. Yeah. Um, you brought up a good point. Um, because I agree with you, like, you know, doing the healing stuff is great, like meditation and uh, yoga and, you know, self self work and everything. But it almost like it almost gets to a point where it becomes, like you said, work, right? And you're like, okay, where's my life? How am I? How am I bettering my life and all? So at what point do you think um, a person needs to say, okay, you know what? I've done enough healing on myself. Now it's time for me to live. Yeah. So, so here's the thing about the word healing. I'm not saying, of course, people don't have things to heal from, but it almost, I feel like it almost gives this kind of indication of something's wrong with you. It's like you're broken in some way. And what I have come to, to, to learn and to understand and to know is that we're far from broken. There's nothing broken about us. There is nothing defective about us. There's nothing deficient about us. And that may seem like quite um, an extreme statement when we see people who are clearly sick. You know, we see people who are clearly struggling. But my position is that we have within us what I call the truth of who we are. It's like the truth of who we are is there. That truth of who we are is not sick, is not broken, is not deficient, is not defective. And so the, the, if we're operating from that point, then the, what we're ultimately doing is we're bringing that forth as opposed to try to fix something that we think is broken. 
And so I kind of like, I like to put, I like to make it as that focus and sort of take it away from this. Cause when I kind of got down that I need to heal, I need to heal, I need to heal. It turned into this never ending thing for me. Like I couldn't get out of it. And so that's really why with the work I do, I call it like an optimization as opposed to like that I'm doing like healing modalities. And again, I'm not saying any of those things are like wrong, but from my experience, it was like I did get kind of caught up in this. I'm constantly healing myself. And then when you come from the place of, but I'm not broken to begin with, which is actually very true. There is, there is within all of us, it's like we're there the truth of who we are is there. It's not broken. It's not defective. It's not deficient. It's not confused. It's it's not. And but it's like we've hidden ourselves from ourselves in a way. So it's like it's there. We're not trying to like go get something outside of us or become something we're not. It's already there, and like we've hidden it from ourselves. And so, and so, I do think, of course, healing has a place. But I really more focus on bringing forth what I call the truth of who we are, bringing that forth. And that's something that we can do all day, every day, like, and not just bring it forth, but express it. It's like it's who we are. It's what we are. When we bring that forth, when we express it, then we really have the life that we're wanting. It's a radically different experience from not living from that place. Oh, like. Basically, what I'm getting from you is when we're healing, it's almost like we're comparing ourselves to someone or some time else than what we are currently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, 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 so what I've come to understand is like, it's like the truth of who we are is there. It's always been there. We can choose to express that or not express that. And when we're not expressing it, that's when we're in states of disease. That's when we're in states of feeling overwhelmed. That's when we're in states of um, feeling like life is monotonous, feeling like life is a grind. That's when we're living in states of low levels of joy. And the reason is, is because we're not living from what is, in fact, our fundamental nature. When we live from the place that is our fundamental nature, that is the truth of who we are, we have a totally different experience. And so it's like it's a it's a different way of looking at things, because instead of saying, OK, there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed, that needs to be like we have to remedy this thing that's wrong with you. It's like, actually, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just not expressing and experiencing and being who you are and you're not expressing, experiencing and being what is, in fact, your fundamental nature. And if you were, you would have a different experience. Um, you weren't always, um, this, you were, uh, <laughs> you, uh, it's, it's interesting. No, it's interesting because you mm -hmm. made a very interesting shift from your life. You went from having what most people in this world would consider a successful life. Mm -hmm. You went from being a corporate litigator to entrepreneur mm -hmm. in self-help and mm -hmm. it's a tough industry self-help compared to being a corporate litigator because corporate litigator people are just throwing money at you this you gotta like it's 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 a little bit tougher because the competition's a lot more what got you to become a corporate litigator in the first place 
So I made the decision in fifth grade that I was going to be an attorney. And I walked around with like Harvard Law sweatshirts on and I, I made that plan when I was in fifth grade and I stuck to it. I worked really hard in high school. I graduated summa cum laude from college. I published as an undergrad in college. I went on to Duke University School of Law. I went there on a scholarship and I published in a law journal while I was there. I then went on, I was recruited by and I did take a job with one of the largest law firms in the Southeast and um, and I accept, you know, accepted that job and I worked there as a corporate litigator. So this was, this was a plan that I had um, since I was in fifth grade. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's great that you uh, were able to fulfill that goal, that dream of yours when you were a child. But what about, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, that they feel that they fall short of that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially guys. Guys, they have a dream when they're a kid and they don't reach the goal. And they feel like, mm-hmm. you know, they're failures in life because they weren't able to attain um, either something that they wanted to or something that someone else wanted them to do. Yeah. What would you say to somebody that, you know, um, hasn't been able to reach that goal of theirs? So what I would offer is, so I reached the goals that I set and I got everything that I thought I wanted. I had the money, I had the job, I had an amazing resume, I had a charming house in the city, I had a beautiful wardrobe, I could go on vacations, I had the respect of my colleagues. Um, And in addition to the corporate litigation work I did, I also did um, pro bono work for victims of domestic violence, and I was eventually named the head of that project. So I had everything. And I will tell you, I felt so deeply unhappy and I did not feel like I was a success quite the opposite I constantly was feeling like I wasn't good enough and so if people think like I like if I reach this external goal then I'm going to feel good about myself and I feel bad about myself I feel like a failure because I haven't reached this external goal I would say that's actually not what makes you a success or a failure, you reaching these external goals. And I'm not saying that these external goals are bad or wrong or you shouldn't have them, but you, like you being a success or a failure, like that has to do with you knowing and understanding yourself and really the thoughts that you're holding. Our thoughts actually create our feelings not our external circumstances. And so what I'm saying is you can have all the external circumstances. And if you think like those are the things that are going to make you feel like a success or those are the things that are going to make you feel good, they're they're not. I mean, I had them all and I was like deeply, deeply unhappy. I did not care if I woke up in the morning. I dreaded my days. And it's like, if like from from the outside looking in, I like people would have been like, oh, she's really happy. She's crushing it, <laughs> you know, yeah. but internally, so far from that, I felt just like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is what life is like. I would come home at night and like 
it'd be dark and late and I would just go like for a walk by myself in the dark, just kind of like wandering around like I can't believe this is what life is. And so what I've come to understand is it's like we're not here to become something. We already are it. But when we and when so when we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for the thing that's going to give us worth, for the thing that's going to give us value, for the thing that's going to, you know, make us feel good. That's that's not where it's at. And so for those people who do think, well, I didn't think I didn't reach this thing. Now I feel like a failure. I'd say that's not why you, you think you like that's not the thing that's going to make you not feel like a failure. It's not and it's not why you feel like a failure. It's more like you weren't actually destined to do that in this life. You were destined to do something else. Maybe. And really, I'd say the issue is there's there's a disconnect between them and them. They're not really tapped into them what their gifts and talents are, they're also not tapped into this innate worthiness and value that they hold. And so, you know, one of the things that people ask me is, how did you know in fifth grade you want to be an attorney? Which is a great question because it's like, how do you know that in fifth grade? I didn't even know any attorneys. I grew up in a small town. I didn't have any attorneys in my family. And so, um, but what I understand now, which I didn't understand then, and I didn't understand in college, and I didn't understand in law school, and I didn't understand when I was a lawyer, I actually decided I wanted to be a lawyer from a place of feeling like I had no worth and value. And I needed to go and do something to make myself worthy. I needed to go and do something to prove my value. I needed to go and do something to show like I'm a good person and I'm like I matter and I have worth and I have value. And in my child's brain, there were two noble professions in the world. One was lawyer, one was doctor. And I, I chose lawyer. And I was so driven by like this belief that I lacked worth and value. It drove me for years. But I'll tell you, I got there and like thinking that I'm going to feel so fulfilled, thinking I'm going to feel so different, you know, and I didn't. Um, when I was in fifth grade, I wanted to be an architect. And when I hit 10th grade, my calculus, my algebra teacher told me uh, to look for another profession because I wasn't hmm. up for uh, up to the standard to become an architect when it comes hmm. to math. Um, when was your transformation? What was the trigger that triggered you to say, you know what, enough is enough. I need to do something else with my life. Yeah, so it wasn't uh, super like cut and dry. It, it was more of, I got to the point where I was just like in my job, I was like, I'm so tired of feeling this way. Like this can't be all that life is. And the biggest thing in my life was my job. And so I felt like something in my life needs to change. Something in my life has to be different. And the, since the biggest thing was my job, I was like, well, I think this is the thing that has to change. I mean, it was as much as it was a good job, it was high stress, it was high pressure. And so there was a part of me that was like, well, I think this job is the problem. You know what I mean? I think even though it was like the thing I wanted, I think it's the problem. And so, but I didn't have this, this great mental clarity. I mean, I didn't. I was confused. You know, having worked my whole life for that, when I got there and I wasn't this like fulfilled, happy, you know, it's like, wait a second, what is happening here? I have 
everything I've wanted, everything everybody told me would make me happy, and here I am. And so it was confusing. And so I finally was just like, something has to give. It took me years. I finally got up the courage, and I, I left that job. And I left it without a plan. I did not know what I was going to do. I didn't, it's not like I was like, I'm going to leave this job and go off and do this thing that I'm passionate about. Like, no, I, (laughs) like the law is what I knew. I didn't, I didn't even have really any hobbies like this was, you know, and so um, I didn't know what the future would hold. I didn't know what would, I would end up doing, but I just, it was like, there was this thing in me that was like, something has to change. I I, I don't want to go on like this. We understand where that's coming from. Totally get it. Um, and it, it's uh, it's like a lot of us guys. We whenever you ask us how are you, we're just like, oh, we're 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 okay, but we're really not okay mm-hmm. because, like you said before, there's a disconnect between what we're doing and how what our life's work is really supposed to be about. Yeah. Um, why are you doing this? So why am I doing what I'm currently doing? Yeah, yeah. So believe me, when I say I did not see this coming, I did not see this coming. (laughs) I mean, I really didn't. When I left that job, it was like, I have no idea what is going to happen in my life. Um, And so why I'm doing it, there's there's a few reasons. You know, I think the most obvious one is I, and it, it took me like, like this did not happen overnight. It, it took me trying so many things that did not work. It took me having moments where I considered going back to practicing law. It took me like having moments where I was like, oh my goodness, life just isn't great. And there's no solution. There's no way around it. There's nothing I can do to have a different experience. Like, this is just what it is. And so, um, you know, after I left my job, I spent a year and a half researching, reading, seeing healers, going to retreats, taking programs, getting certified in different modalities, like practicing them here and there, like a, a year and a half of all my, like my resources, my time, my energy, everything, only to hit that year and a half mark and be in worse health than I was when I left my job and to feel worse mentally. But then, you know, I've now since realized, and I, you know, that we can have such a different experience. I have transformed every aspect of my life. Like every aspect of my life is transformed. It's like, it's almost like I've lived two totally different lives in one lifetime. And so, When I realized like, oh my goodness, we can have a different experience. There's a way to do it. I just was like, I have to share this with people because I know that I'm not the only person who was unhappy and who was struggling. And, you know, you talk about, you know, asking people like, how are you doing? And they just say, I'm good or I'm okay. I felt like in my job, I felt like I was a robot. It's like, how are you? Great. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm miserable. Great. I'm doing great. You know what I mean? Or it's like, come in, there's someone comes in with a new project. Oh, do you want to be on this project? Do you want to do this? Yes, I would love to do that. I'm like, no, God, I do not want to do that, please. I do not want to do that thing. You know, like, and so I totally, I know that I'm, I wasn't the only person, but I think 
what I saw was that so many people accepted it. It was like, it was like, this is just what life is. It's, we don't, you know, we, we, we don't feel good a lot. We watch our bodies deteriorate. We, you know, we, we wait for the weekends to have moments of joy. And I was in fact told that by one of my colleagues. It was like, I'm, you know, I asked him, are you, are you excited to get up in the morning? Do you feel passionate about life? Do you, and it was just like, no, like we have a good job. We make a lot of money when I realized like we can have such a different experience, I was like, I have to, I want to share this with other people. I want other people to know you can feel so differently because I would have liked to know that all those years. And I was so unhappy. Like I would have liked to know I could have had a different experience and how to do it. And then the other reason that I'm, that I do what I'm doing is because we do all have gifts and talents that we come into this experience with, we all have them. And when we express those gifts and talents, that's when we step into abundance. And I'm not just talking about money. Like I had a lot of money as an attorney. I was far from abundant. But when we express our gifts and talents, that's where we really step into abundance. And that's also how we actually get energy. Like we're energized when we express our gifts and talents. And so I didn't know that I had like kind of my own unique gifts and talents. I just thought it was like I kind of came to this experience and then I like picked the thing that was like the noble thing to do or whatever. But this actually, the work I'm doing now actually falls very much in alignment with like my gifts and talents and the ease which with these things kind of come to me and I express them and the ease with which it's like that I can work with people. It's so different from when I was a lawyer. I felt like I was just like pushing everything out. Like just, you know, it took like all my energy and everything just to like get those things out. And I'd leave work and I'd be super depleted. As opposed to the work I do now, it actually energizes me. That's great. Um, you actually said something really important and something that st- stands out with me. Um, I am Greek Orthodox and our monks actually say in order for you to transcend, in order for you to change in this world, you have to kill yourself. You have to kill your old self so that the new person could be born. Hmm. And that really struck, uh, that really struck a chord with me because um, I was in school as a mechanic and I hated every second of it. The thing that I loved was the gym. Mm. Mm-hmm. The thing I always looked forward to is the gym. Mm-hmm. And it's helping other, like you said, it's like, and when it came to like family and when I told them well, I want to become a personal trainer and this and that, they're like, what? You can make so much more money as a mechanic. I'm like, yeah, but I don't like having a car on top of me while I'm working underneath it. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. I get angry. I get, I swear a lot. And it's like, so that really resonated with me where you said that you were having issues, you were, you were having problems trans with your transcendence into who you are today, because it just sounded like your old self was, tr- did you feel that your old self was really hanging on to you and saying, no, I want to be here. Wow, that's a good question. Um, You know, it's 
when you think your whole life that you're somebody that you're not and you identify with that person as being you, yeah, and that like you're habituated to being that person, yeah, it's it is really there's a challenge in being like, "Oh, actually, I'm someone very very different from that." Very different from that. And um, you know, because we identify with that, like we think that's us and that feels like safe to us in a sense. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly challenge in doing that and yeah. And just letting everything kind of fall away. Like I really did identify with being an attorney. Like to me, that was like this really prestigious thing that like I felt, you know, I mean, people have all their views on attorneys, but to my mind, it was this very like prestigious thing that I really felt good about telling people like, oh, I'm an attorney. And yeah, when I first kind of realized what I would end up doing, it was almost like, what, what, what? like, am I going to tell people I do this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, so yeah, it's, it, there's definitely challenge to that. Yeah. What kind of tools do you did you use to get over that? And do you still implement those tools with some of your clients? So it was really, for me, it was trying all sorts of different things. I mean, I really did. I tried so many different things. Um, some things moved the dial a little bit. Some I felt like made things worse. Um, and so really what I... So really what I do and really what I came to realize works is it's like we spend all of this time being educated in so many things, right? Like getting all these degrees, getting, you know, all these things are outside of us. But what we don't understand, who we don't understand is ourselves. That's where we're lacking. Like it's, we don't really understand who we are and how we function. And, you know, if you'd have asked me, whatever, when I was practicing law, like, do you know who you are and how you function? I'd be like, yes, I do. Of course I do. Do you know what I mean? But I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know that I held gifts and talents within myself that that were mine and that I could express them and how good that would feel when I express them. I didn't understand how to control and direct my mind and use my thoughts to serve me. I was instead run around by my mind. And so I didn't understand like what my fundamental nature was and that that was something that was valuable and worthy in and of itself. That was something that was like, quite frankly, like that was intelligent. That was like a form of geniusness that was like beauty. Like I didn't understand these things. And so, so really with the work that I'm doing and how I found out, like to me, what I want to do is do something that was really effective and really efficient. Like, how do we get here as fast as possible, but at the same time, get there and do it in a way that you're really, you're, you can stay there. And so how I do that is it's like, a, it's an education of you understanding you. And when people really start to tap into and understand like, oh, this is who I am and this is where my power is and this is where my value is and like, it's like there's incentive when you start to kind of chip away and let and like and when you start to really let people see, well, here's how you've been operating, but here's who you really are. And they start to experience that themselves. And then too, this is why I believe in coaching, because it's much easier to do this with somebody supporting you. 
really supporting you and owning who you are and in taking actions that are consistent with who you are and and like letting all of the kind of external like what other people think and why should I do this like letting those fall away so it is certainly it's there's a there's a process to it in a sense definitely is um and you I want to touch up on another point that you on this talking point is how other people close to you are seeing this change mm -hmm. because um I don't know if you agree with me or not on this but people like you how you are right now when you want to change to something else something better something more you they have a problem with that mm -hmm. and they're not, they may not be comfortable with your positive change into yourself. How would you help somebody overcome something like that? Yeah, so, so what happened in my experience was I changed myself. I changed how I viewed myself. I changed how I respected myself. Like I changed like all these things about myself. I worked on myself. I changed myself, not really changed, really came into the truth of who I was. And then the way other people started to interact with me changed, but it changed in a really positive way. It was like, I now was like treating myself in a certain way, owning who I was, loving myself and knowing my own value. And so how they treated me also changed. But I will say this, when I was in the process, I was not around very many people. <laughs> it was really like I wasn't. I, I wasn't around like really my family members. They, I kind of said like, I kind of just went into this, I've got to figure things out. I can't be around these people who have these like ideas about who I am. Do you know what I mean? Because, because I was like, I'm not, I don't know that I'm that person. Like I have to change something. And so I really did isolate myself. And I know that a lot of people can't do that. They're out in the world, they're living, and you're right. When we change, it does in a sense, what it does too to other people is it threatens them in a way. It threatens their own view of themselves. And again, we want to stay, our mind wants to keep us in that comfort zone. You know, even if you're faced with that, my my position would be like, keep moving forward. Even if they don't, you know, totally like it or they don't totally agree. And because there's something that's far, far, far more valuable to you than their liking you or their approval of you. And that's you knowing you. And when you ultimately come out of it, when you ultimately come to the point where you are in a different place, watch how people treat you so differently. Like, I remember too, when my brother, like I, I hadn't talked to him in a while. Again, I was kind of like, I need to figure things out. When he came to the house, he was like, it was like he kind of stopped because he was like, oh my goodness, you look so different. It's like everything about you changes. And really what happens is the way people outside treat you, it also changes. But I would say, you've got to really decide too, like what is your priority? Absolutely. Um, we've been talking a lot about uh, optimized life. What exactly is optimized life? So, and it's really, in my opinion, it's you living your highest like potential, like you living in the truth of who you are. 
And, you know, we, we have this messaging in society, this kind of constant and pervasive messaging that we're like, defe- like we're, def- we're defective, we're deficient, we lack power. Do you know what I mean? Like we have this kind of constant messaging, there's something wrong with us and we need to go out and fix it. We need to go out and prove ourselves. We need to go out and make ourselves valuable. We need to go out and like get all this external stuff so we can walk around and be like, look at me, I'm something. Do you know what I mean? And I have power. And like in truth, like you hold within you great knowing. Like you hold within you great creativity. You hold within you great love. Like it's who you are. And you're naturally, like your natural state of beingness is to express that creativity in ways that are unique to you, like in ways that nobody else in the world can express it except for you. And so like to me, to live an optimized life is to really bring forth the truth of who you are and express it, not because you're trying to become something or prove yourself, like you already are something, you already are valuable. But it's like expressing your unique creativity. And when you do that, when you express you, like you feel good because it's like you're operating within your fundamental nature. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of, I'm not going to just point out one religious sect on this, but a lot of religions, they push that, that you are not perfect, that you need to work on yourself. But the general, the general, conversation with that is you need to work on yourself you need to figure out who you are it's the it's the old guys in the white pointy hats and the cloaks and the robes and the gold that are telling you you need to come and drop money and that i don't agree with but the general concept of you need to work on yourself and figure out who you are Mm -hmm. and we're all not perfect we all have our foibles if you will more on the line of trying to humble yourself rather than, uh, you know, um, I'm building up my, you know, I, like you said, like uh, all these people that are working on themselves, but they're built, what they're doing is they're building up their ego. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that part I don't like. How do you control that? How do you control the part where, you know, uh, too much ego and trying to find that balance in in the optimized life between too much ego and humility. So these are really interesting points that you're bringing up. And there's a lot of like kind of nuances to them. My position is like, you're super, super powerful, like you are, and you're super, super creative, and you're love through and through. The, the word humility, it kind of I've, I mean, and I've a number of times people have brought that word up and I, I was going to, I think, I know I looked it up at one point, but it kind of, it's like, it's almost like I, I want to make sure that people aren't um, downplaying the magnificence that they are because they really do believe that and I've seen it and I know it, like we are magnificent beings. At the same time though, we can operate from a place that is really not who we are at all. We can operate from this place where, you know, we, it's like innately, we know we're powerful. 
but we don't actually feel like, but, but we're operating from a place of where we're not. So we don't actually feel powerful. Like we think like we're not powerful. And so then we go out and do all these things and like gain all these external things to try to make us feel powerful. And then when we get to that point of gaining that external thing or being in that position at work, we abuse it. And it's like, but it's come, it, all of that is coming from a place of, I don't really understand who I am. So like an example would be um, somebody who, and if we want to talk to about the, the masculine in particular, if we want to talk about like the masculine energy. So like the masculine energy is a very strong, very powerful, very steady, very sure, very trustworthy, like I'm going to go, like, you want this thing, I'm going to go get it, I will get that thing done. So, like, this is a very, like, masculine type, type of, like, masculine energy. I'm talking about energies here, not, like, everybody has masculine and feminine energy in them. And so then you might say, well, you might see, and I saw this in the work environment I, I was in, it was not common, but it was, like, someone then, they they don't really understand that they hold power within them, like they actually are powerful and that they're loved through and through. So they don't understand that and they're operating from this place of I'm not those things. So then what they, but they know it's there. So they want to have that power and they want to feel powerful. So then they finally get into that position and their work or whatever. And it's like, they're just like telling, they're, they're like abusing it. And, but it's making them feel powerful. It's off though. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's really, it, it seems like um, this might seem convoluted in a sense, because like I'm telling you, you're really powerful. But then we see people like abusing their power and using it from a place of what we might call ego. But they're, they're very off in doing that. But at the same time, it's coming from this underlying place of they actually know they're really powerful but they're, they don't understand what that really means. They don't understand how to really express it. Like when we see people operating from that place of what you'd call non-humility or that place of abusive power or whatever, it's really a distortion of who they are. They actually, they're operating from a place of not thinking they're powerful <laughs> when in fact they are. So like you don't ever have to when you really know who you are and tap into who you are, that, that place of true innate power that's within you that doesn't come from something external, that place of love, that place of like steadiness and sureness and trustworthiness that is in fact you, you don't you naturally don't operate in that other type of way. You think that's a form of uh, uh, like fear, fear of losing power, fear of uh, looking at yourself in a different view, just fear in general? I think it's, it's a lack of understanding of who you are. And if you look at this experience, we have been very misguided, generally speaking. I'm not blaming anyone. I want to be really clear about that. I believe in full self-responsibility. But we've generally spe speaking been, the messaging is, like, really, quite frankly, it's the opposite of who we are. And so we've been very, very misguided into, into thinking that we're something that we're not, taking us away from our own fundamental nature. But that fundamental nature is still there. And so the thing is, is like 
when we see people who are like, I really want, it's like they know innately they want to feel powerful. Like they have this like, I want to feel powerful, but I don't feel powerful. And so I'm going to go do these things that I think will make me feel, feel powerful. Just like I did the things that I thought were going to make me worthy, not knowing that, oh my goodness, I'm actually already worthy. I'm actually already valuable. You actually hold within you tremendous power. But it's like we're living from these like false senses of self. And so we're not realizing the power that we hold and that we can simply express it. But that it's like that that wanting is still there. And so you do it in all these like distorted ways, just like I went and tried to get my worth and value from being an attorney. Like it didn't work. Our question, it just popped into my head. Do you think that we're coming into a different, uh, do you think we're coming into more of a balance when it comes to that kind of stuff? And do you think COVID was a, um, a, an agitator to push people to really question themselves? So that that's a really interesting question. Um, I do for sure think people are asking questions and are really feeling more and more like, no, I can have a different experience and I want it. And I'm willing to go out there and try something different and take the risk and get it. Um, I definitely think that is happening. Um, did COVID play a role in that? So it, I think, I think the answer is probably yes, because it, when something like that happens, it does make people question more. It's like, and then people had more time to, to question and people weren't just being like, so one of the things that you know, I did is like, I was really unhappy, but it was like, I was so busy most of the time that it kind of like numbed me out in a way. Like, well, I don't need to, I can't think about how unhappy I am right now because I have so much stuff to do. You know, I'm so busy. It's, it's almost like we use being busy as this like form of like this thing to like numb us out in a way to not really face like how we really fe are feeling. And so I think that because COVID slowed everything down for so many people, I, I certainly think it could have had that impact of like, well, I might actually have to feel how I'm really feeling and look at how I really feel. I, I noticed that too, um, even with myself and everything, just started questioning everything that uh, the way I was living, why I was living, why I was doing things the way I was doing. So it really, I was fortunate I was working during COVID up until November. Hmm. But that's a different discussion and we're not <laughs> going to get into uh, <laughs> politics. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, going back to living an optimized life. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? How do you realize that I am not living an optimized life? And how does one identify that, you know what, this is not my maximum potential? Because there's so many different little factors that can play into this. Yeah. So if someone is living in states of depletion, if someone is living in states of disease, if someone is living in states uh, feeling like life is monotonous or feeling like it's a grind, people are living in states where they feel 
overwhelmed, or even if they're living in states of low levels of joy. Like these states have been normalized. It's like in this experience that we're in, it's like people look at these states like, well, that's just life. You're stressed, you're overwhelmed, you're in states of disease. Yeah, you wait for the weekends to have a good time. Yes, you come home at night completely exhausted and depleted by your job just to wake up and do it all again. And I would say, if you're living in these states, like these states have been normalized, but they're not normal. They're not who you are. They're not your fundamental nature. Like in truth, when we're expressing ourselves and our gifts and talents and our creativity, we're energized by it. You know, and, and, and if our body's in a state of, dise- of disease, what is that? It's a state of dis-ease. It's, it's us not being us. It's us not being who we are. And so one of the things is, is like, I would say, you know, look at these states and really be like, sorry, that's Lily. And really be like, I don't have, like, this has been normalized, but it's not normal it's not who i am and so for people too who who might be like i can't even imagine something different i would say open your mind to that open your mind to like you can have a different experience and ask yourself like well how how would that feel to me how would that feel to me if this wasn't just what life is i could have such a different experience what if i could be in awe by life what if i could be in awe of my own creativity what if i could you know love what I'm doing and be energized by it. Like what if those things were possible for me? And so, yeah. That's a scary thing for, for a lot of people. That is a very frightful, uh, frightful thing for, for a lot of people to do. I know a lot of it pros that are love, love the job. I'm using air quotes for those people listening, but they were, like you said, destined to be doing something else, but because it pays the bills and they quote unquote love their job, they won't do it. They won't get out of their comfort zone. And it's tragic in my, in my point of view, it's tragic. How would you approach somebody like that? Yeah. So that's a, that's an excellent question because that's a lot of people. That was me. You know, it's just like, I have this great job. I'm making more money than I have ever made in my life. Do you know what I mean? And my life is so comfortable, right? I have this like beautiful home and I have all these things and it's so nice not to have to like worry about things like money. And I'm at this firm that most lawyers will never get to work at a firm like that. Do you know what I mean? And so I totally get that. And um, I, wa- I, quite frankly, I wanted to love my job. I really wanted to. I was like, I, mean, I was at, when I was there, I was like, this is going to work. I will make this work. You know what I mean? But what I would say is, first of all, you don't have to do what I did. You don't have to just up and like leave your job like I did and leave everything behind. You don't have to do that because we have people out there and we're getting more and more of them who are in a similar situation as I am where it's like they've already done that. They've already walked that path. And so it's like, you know, now, for instance, in my programs, it's like you don't have to go and quit your job and do all of the kind of more extreme things that I did. You can start with something like 
my program or like other people have programs too or what whatnot. It's like you can start somewhere that feels like doable to you and that feels like, I mean, you might have a family too that you're providing for. And so something like that, like a lot of people too, they feel stuck in their job because it's like, well, I have to bring money home for my children and my family. And so one of the things too that was really important to me was that like, and one of the things that drives what I do is people can have a different experience right where they are. They don't have to do what I did. And um, so it's like you can take these little steps really. But the other thing that I would say too is, you know, I did leave my job and some people might look at that and be like, oh, the job was your problem. Like the job was the problem and you needed to leave that job because the job was the problem. The problem was, and the reason I was unhappy, it wasn't because of that job. It was because I didn't understand who I was. I didn't understand how I functioned. And so if I would have had that understanding, my life would have been different. Now, does that mean I would have stayed in that job? For me, probably not. I probably would have left. I think it's highly likely I would have left, but I would have left in a very different form that I did leave in. Like I left in a like fearful, I'm a failure. Like, I mean, I left that job and I felt like, I mean, I left of my own volition and I felt like a complete and utter failure. It wasn't like I was like walking out of that job, like I'm leaving off to a better life. None of this. Do you know what I mean? And so what I would say is if you can come in, if you come into the understanding of who you are, you can do that right where you're at. And then it's like, now you have this basis, this foundation where you're clear, like, this is who I am. And it's easier than to take these actions that might seem uncomfortable. And then you also have clarity too on what actions are those to take? Maybe it's the action to leave your job. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just the action to do something different in your job. And so I would just say, right where you're right where you're at, you can start to really tap into and understand and learn about yourself. And that's gonna set you up moving forward. And that that might seem scary to some people, but really if you just tell them, like, you don't have to leave your job, just we can start here, right where you're at. We can start. Like that I think is doable for most people. Um, you and I both know being entrepreneurs, the biggest thing that we have to deal with is failure. We have to fail. I just wanted to have your thoughts on, on that word failure. So, so how I, I don't, I don't know if I have specific thoughts on the word failure but how I have come to see it is it's almost like it's almost like you and I I get what you're saying it's like you almost feel like I don't want to like be in this profession or be in this business because people could reject me or it could not work and um then I'll be disappointed it's like these things could happen and then I'm going to be ultimately disappointed. I'll, I'll ultimately feel like maybe I failed at something. And one of the things that I've learned to do is just be like, I'm okay with that. 
Like I'm okay with. I'll take that risk. Okay, so if I if I move forward with this this like business that I created, and maybe it doesn't work out exactly the way I want it to, or maybe I am disappointed down the road, that's okay. I'm willing to be disappointed, and I can handle that because what that does is it kind of like if it like it calms the mind down in a sense because the mind is like, don't do this, don't do this, you're going to fail. Do you know what I mean? Or if you do or something doesn't work out, it's like, oh my goodness, look at what happened. It's like you you shouldn't have done this. But when you're kind of like, you know what? I'm willing to be disappointed. I'm willing to say the wrong thing. I'm willing for people to maybe not like me or I'm willing for maybe this thing not to work out. And I can handle it. If that happens, I can handle it. It's like that really puts you in a different position to then be like, and I'm moving forward with it. Like, I'll take that risk. I'll take that risk every day. Because if I don't take that risk too, it's like, it's, if, if you really understand what the mind is doing, what it's, what it's saying is, be disappointed now so you won't be disappointed later, right? Because if you don't move forward with the thing that you're passionate about, if you don't move forward with the thing that you love, like you're gonna be disappointed now. It's like, so you see what the, see what the mind is doing. It's like, be disappointed now so that you're not disappointed later. It's like, no, no, I'll just take it all. It's fine, I can handle it. That's how I approach it. More like a learning process. Yeah. And just dealing with the lessons that come with it. Yeah, it's like, it's okay. Okay, so I get disappointed. Emotionally, I can handle being disappointed. I'm not afraid of that emotion, but it's worth the risk. It's worth it. It's worth it. And it's it's almost like, too, you know, if you're really, like, called to something, if something really is expressive of who you are, it's it's like you do when you really tap into who you are. It's just like, I'm going to do this no matter what because it's who I am. Now, was uh, yoga a big part of this transformation? Yes, mm -hmm. it was. I know personally that there's a lot of different forms of yoga, a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. What is Kundalini? Did I pronounce it right? Yep. Okay, Kundalini yoga. Yeah, so I did yoga for years. Um, I woke up at 4 a.m. every morning when I was working and I did yoga. Uh, but I had never heard of nor had I ever done kundalini yoga. And so after I had done that whole year and a half of trying things that didn't work for me, I, like I had said, I was in this dark place, kind of ready to give up. But there was this thing in me like, keep going. And so I did. And... One day I turned on a Kundalini yoga class and I had never heard of it. I didn't know what it was, but the way I approached my research really was like, and me trying to like help myself was, I really didn't care what something was. I was more of interested in the results. So I was looking for results. So I was very open-minded. So I turned on this class, I did this class, it seemed odd to me. We were doing things that I thought were weird, but after the class, I felt different. And so I kept taking classes and the more classes I took, the better I felt. And then I went and I trained in it, not because I thought I was gonna teach it. I just wanted to know like, what is this thing that's creating so much change in my life? And so 
uh, Kundalini yoga was really a turning point for me. It was a point of like, I went from, oh my goodness, nothing is working and nothing is going to work to realizing, no, there are things that work. And so Kundalini yoga, what it does is it uses postures and poses. And it also uses a lot of breathing techniques. It uses hand positions, which are connected to the brain. It uses eye positions. Like for instance, you can use an eye position to stimulate the endocrine system. It uses meditation, it uses relaxation, and it uses sound currents. So there's chanting and there's mantras in Kundalini Yoga. And what it's doing is it's using all of these different things to work on the physical body, including like critical systems of the physical body, like the nervous system, the endocrine system, the circulatory system. It's working on the mind to helping a person control and direct their mind, to helping them rid themselves of subconscious patterns and programs. It's working on an emotional level to help rid a person of suppressed emotions and to deal with and handle current emotions. It's also working on an energetic level. So if we look at like yogic anatomy and anatomy from other traditions, like our kind of energetic bodies. And so it's using all of these things and it's working all of these things in one practice. And so once I really kind of understood all of the things it was doing, then it was like, oh, no wonder it's having such an impact on my life. Interesting. Um because I, I know a lot of different yoga practitioners and um, how does somebody find the right yoga for them, for them? Because to me, it sounds like, like I get the question a lot from my martial arts background. Uh, what do you think about this martial art or that martial art? Or is this martial art better than that? It's like, well, they're all good. It's just, what do mm. you like? Yeah. So I would say try try them. Like, you know, I, I tried Kundalini yoga. I did one class and I felt different after that class. It wasn't like I became enlightened after that class or something, but I felt different. I felt, I felt different. And so I would say, you know, keep an open mind and try things. And, um, one of the things too, I would say is like, so, um, Kundalini yoga, and I'm not, I'm speaking to Kundalini yoga, not other yogas, but it works things like the nervous system. And I, I had never heard of working my nervous system. I didn't understand how out of balance my nervous system was. And it was very out of balance. I didn't understand too I could work my endocrine system using a practice like yoga. And so like Kundalini Yoga, it has specific practices like that work the adrenals, for instance. And my like... I mean, when I left that job and that stress went away, it was like I com my body completely crashed, probably because I'd been operating on adrenaline most of my life. And so it's like working these things that I had, I hadn't, I hadn't been exposed to practices that had that had done that before. And I had been exposed to a lot of practices that dealt with like the subconscious mind and dealt like that dealt with that. But it was really cool to me that oh, I can. It's again, it's like, it's what I would say, it's like efficiency and effectiveness. And it's like, 
okay, I can go do all these other practices to work on my subconscious mind, or I can do Kundalini yoga where I'm also working my nervous system and my endocrine system and my mind and my emotions. I feel like it offers a lot of bang for the buck. And another thing about it was, um, so when I was exploring and trying to find answers, one of the things that someone's, one of the practitioners I was seeing, he said to me, you know what your problem is? He was like, you're angry. And I was like, I don't think I'm, I'm like, I'm not angry. I'm, I might be sad, <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm just like not that person. I'm just not, I'm not an angry person. And he, he said, you know, I want you to go home and like scream into a pillow. I want you to go home and like smash these things. And what I ended up realizing was I actually was really angry. I did have a lot of anger, but it was, it was so much so that it was like, I didn't want to admit that to myself because then I wouldn't know what to do with it. And screaming into a pillow and smashing something really didn't do anything for me. Kundalini yoga did. There's a practice in Kundalini yoga called Fist of Anger. And it's actually, it's a three minute practice. That's it, three minutes. And it helps you get rid of basically anger that you've suppressed. And I mean, you can feel, I felt dramatically different from doing this practice. And so it was like, it was doing all of these things that I hadn't, I hadn't found something else to do those things for me. You said that you didn't know that you were angry. Um, because I've been told that I have anger issues. Mm. I've suppressed like you, suppressed my anger. I don't talk to people about it. But when I went to Sistema, Russian martial arts, and I had the ability to let go of that anger, just like you, I changed. Yeah. So how do you find, how do you find that on, on, with other people? Like, how do you, and how do you approach them? Say, you know what? You, I think you have some anger issues because they could snap on you. Mm -hmm. I don't have anger issues. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so this is a really, this is an important, this is important because what I've found is that most people have a lot of suppressed anger and it's justified. It is because of how most people were treated. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not blaming parents or society. I believe in really, I do believe in full responsibility, but you come into this experience and I've said before, like you're this like brilliant, creative, worthy being and you're not treated as if you're that, or you might be treated as if you're that until you hit a certain age and then you're no longer that, right? Or whatever is going on in that experience. And generally society doesn't treat us as these powerful, brilliant beings, right? And so, and you know, as children, when we start to rebel against that, we're, we're punished for it. Like you don't just get to be angry. You don't just get to throw a tantrum. Like when, when quite frankly, throwing a tantrum might actually be a justified response to what's actually happening. And so what we do is we suppress, we just take this anger and it's like we, we just turn it in on ourselves. And what it does is it wreaks havoc in our cells of our physical body and also affects our energetic bodies and it stays there. 
until we do something to let it go. And so what I've found is I just recommend to people or they do in my class or I'll make a video for them, do some fists of anger. I really do because during the fists of anger, you what you do is you actually bring up things that you're angry about. You like invoke and provoke your own anger, but you're doing it in this practice where you're at, where you, you are actually releasing it. And so it's like a safe space to do it. It's not that space of, okay, because like what I don't want to do with people is be like, you know what, you know what your problem is? You're angry. And then it's like, well, what's the solution? It's like, well, I don't have one. Go smash something. It doesn't work. I tried it. Like it's, it's in your cells, it's in your field. Like you've got to have a practice that's actually going to get rid of it. And, and there, I'm, there may be other practices, I'm, there probably are, that deal with that inner anger. But I don't know what those practices are, but I know what the practice in Kundalini Yoga is and I know it works. And there's also a Kriya in Kundalini Yoga to get rid of inner anger. And so what I do with clients is I'll just be like, so like, for the next week, seven days straight, three minutes a day, do this practice, fists of anger. See how you feel. Because you'll feel different. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not arguing that because um, we just punch people. So punch mm-hmm. and kick people until they can, can't take anymore. <laughs> that usually gets the job done. But if mm-hmm. you're not willing to get go through that kind of pain, do the fist of anger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to be wrapping up the show in just a little bit. These are the seven, seven or eight questions I ask all my guests. I'd just like to get your um, point of view on these topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the increase in people suffering from depression from the current situation that we're in with the world, uh, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? I mean, I would say to them, and this is what I, and this is kind of what I did when I was feeling in my darkest moments, like I really looked to other people and I kept, I listened to their stories that like they were having a different experience and it's like, it gave me hope. Well, if they're having a different experience, I can too, even though I feel particularly bad right now. And, you know, ultimately how we feel is determined by what we're thinking. It's determined by the thoughts that we're giving our energy and attention to. I know people think it's determined by the circumstances, but it actually isn't. And so, you know, to, to, to give people hope, it's like you can, one, look to other people who are having a different experience and know that it's possible. And also, too, I would just offer and suggest have a moment to really like ask yourself like why are you feeling the way you're feeling is it because of the circumstances or is it because of thoughts that you're thinking and then the other thing too is there are practices that exist that can help you to feel better and that's the key right the key is that you feel better even in the mo- like in the moment in the second that you feel better and you can and like so for instance in kundalini yoga and again this all goes back to really understanding ourselves and who we are and how we function but in kundalini yoga it's that the 
the mind and the emotions follow the breath. Control the breath, control the mind, control the emotions. And so when we look at like, and we say like, this, this circumstance has to change for me to feel better. It's like we're, we're giving all of our power away. The circumstance can stay the same, but we can have a different experience. Amazing. Uh, and I totally agree with you that the breath controls everything. It's really, really great. Mm -hmm. um, what's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? I mean, I do Kundalini yoga practices. I do. I mean, I believe, I really, just like you had just said, I mean, I believe in the power of the breath. I believe in, you know, the power of meditation. I believe that we can control and direct our mind, but, you know, we're in physical bodies. And so we've got to, like, be engaged with that physical body. And to me, like, doing those practices is, yeah, that's what I do. Uh, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself. Hmm. Pick up the phone at 20 years old. What would I tell myself? I would tell myself, stop trying to prove myself. <laughs> Yeah. Find out what it like tap into what I truly love and am passionate about. Looking back, would you change anything? So I have a tremendous amount of peace about my life. I look at it now from this very like neutral place of like, like I am where I am now and I'm doing what I'm doing now and I I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing now because of all of those things that I did experience. Um, at the same time, my life involved a lot of unhappiness. And it's like, did I have to have that much unhappiness? Like in those moments, because those moments matter. Like they matter. And so I don't have a, I don't have a great answer to that question because I'm a little torn about it. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, did I have to be that unhappy? And I think the answer is no, I didn't. But at the same time, I have a tremendous amount of peace about the life that I've lived. That's a great answer. <laughs> That's a great answer. Um, what scares you? What scares me? Oh, I'm always looking for things that scare me. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I really am. I seek them out. Um or seek out things that make me feel uncomfortable. What scares me? <sighs> I don't have a great answer to it. Nothing is coming to me off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I... I just feel like I'm, I'm always, I feel like I'm constantly moving into things that kind of scare me. And I think, you know, when we really put ourselves out there in a way that like I've done, which is so different from what I used to do, it is, it, it, there's a level of, yeah, it, you know, it's like, I'm going to put myself out there and I might 
say the wrong thing or do the thing that I kind of am like, why'd I do that? Or, and there's, yeah, there's a level of certainly like it does give me, it does, yeah, it does put me in fear and I keep doing it and I keep moving through that. But yeah, but it's like there's, you know, things keep going. So it's like you do something, but then you have the next thing and the next thing. So that's good. Um, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Uh, in the next five years, I see myself as doing very similar work to what I'm doing now. I just like to do it on a, I want more people to know and have a different experience of their lives. Uh, where can people find more about you? Uh, my website is www.karanicolebitar.com. It's K-A-R-A-N-I-C-O-L-E-B-I-T-A-R.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, all Kara Nicole Bitar. And uh, we will post all your links with the show notes below so everybody has easy access to your content and to you and to see your cute dogs. <laughs> yep. Uh, any final thoughts? Um. I just want to let people know that they hold within them great knowing. They hold within them great creativity. And if they think that they don't or they question that, I would say make it your priority to, to find that out because it, it really is there and it's worth your time. It's worth your effort. It's worth the uncomfortableness. It's worth the risk you coming to know you it's the most powerful thing that you will ever do Tara, thank you so much for coming on my on the show um it has been a pleasure interviewing you it has been an amazing conversation i know what uh you just had to offer has probably touched somebody in some way and you've already made me curious about this kundalini yoga uh so Thank you so much. I appreciate all the hard work that you put in to put on, put out all your content and your programs. I know how much work goes into it. And um, it's always great to see people like you coming out, stepping up and just, you know, here's a solution to something that could help you in a, in a good way. So thank you so much. And I appreciate your hard work. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to be on your podcast. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. Uh, thank you so much for watching this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, and share if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble. Um, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or whatever streaming service that you are using, please give us a five-star review. Uh, 
please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out, reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to the Band of Brothers. Over the years, we have discovered a system to help to help men regain their confidence because of a world that has become so fast paced. And the requirement of simply being a provider has changed men and have lost and we have lost our place in this world. We've put together a group of men that are here to support your journey, showing you how easy it really is by implementing simple everyday actions that take little to no time out of your day. All you have to do is just click the link below to get a one-on-one -on -one call with me so we can identify your issue and how we can best serve you with these calls. I hope to see you and I'll, I hope to see you on the call and I'll see you guys soon.